0: Welcome to Season 2, of the Acosta Institute podcast. In this season, we curated interviews with nine educators, community leaders, and practitioners who use their deep understanding of trauma to create conditions for collective thriving. We call them Wounded Healers, a concept that finds its roots in both Carl Jung's work and Greek mythology. For Jung, The Wounded Healer represented the sensitivity and understanding of one's own wounds and how this informs helping others to heal and transform. In this interview, we sit with Maria Tan, a healing-centered educator, consultant, and founder of the House of Thriving.
1: So I was teaching in the Bronx, teaching there for five years, and in the last Three years of my teaching career, I really started to feel like I was actually an educator. And when I say that, that's when I began to integrate, like really integrate social emotional learning into my teaching. And along with that, my own healing journey into my teaching. I started doing yoga regularly. I started meditating regularly and then slowly bringing that into the classroom. And I started doing mindfulness with my students every day, every class, just trying to bring it to as many students as possible. And they really loved it. There was a lot of positive feedback from it. You know, it was a way for me to center myself, but I also knew the power of mindfulness. So I knew that it was important for me to share this with folks, including my students. Then COVID happened and we all went online learning and I started to do mindfulness sessions online with students and with teachers. And I just realized how necessary it was, especially during those times. Um, We actually had one of our coworkers and one of my good friends had a panic attack during a a meeting, an online meeting. And I really just saw that there was a huge missing for educators, that educators weren't getting the emotional support that they needed. Um, Yet we were asking them to give As much emotional support that they could to the students. How can you fill someone else's cup when your own cup is empty? I saw there was a big missing and I started brainstorming. How can I do more of this next year? What can I do to really support the community? And I started to draft out a program for my school. And it included mindfulness, restorative justice practices. I wanted to work with integrating the guidance counselors more um, because they do wonderful work, but We weren't honoring like the talent that they're bringing to the school and and the special skill set that they had and infusing stuff that we were already doing, um, but just really bringing it to the next level and making it a cohesive plan for the whole school. I started working on that. And then I told my administration, like we really need someone to be focusing on the emotional and mental health of our community next year and we need a program that's really gonna take social emotional learning more seriously. And it was actually like a request that I made to my administration. I was like, I request that you create this program with me and that you put me in charge of it. And they were like, yes, absolutely, we need you. Our school really needs this, like let's work together. So it was actually really wonderful. We started planning things over the summer and then slowly as we began to approach the next school year, we started thinking like maybe this isn't going to happen because the budget is changing so much from all of the funding cuts because of COVID. And at the end of the summer, um, you know, we had tried to get creative of how we can fund the role, and it was just basically not possible. So uh, I was told we can't support you in this, but you can you can go back and teach science. You know, we'll keep your science position for you. And I said, there's no way like I can go back to business as usual. This isn't business as usual, and I just know that I want to do more, and I need to do more. So I made the decision to leave the Department of Education, leave my position in the classroom, and just take all of this momentum and create something new. So I created Thriving Teacher Project. Our first offering was an eight-month series of masterclasses, and we spotlighted leaders in the field of healing-centered education, such as Dr. Angel Acosta and we had them come in and do, do a master class for teachers, and then we held space. We did community support groups for teachers, and we did this for eight months. And, you know, there was so much positive feedback that teachers were getting connected and really thinking about healing, their own healing in a serious way. And one of the most common like, pieces of feedback I would get was that, oh my gosh, I wish that we did this kind of stuff at my school. Like this, or teachers would say, this is exactly what I needed and I didn't know it's what I needed. My mission really is to give the space and the tools to educators so that they can have the support that they need to be well. So they can empower their students to be well. And my question really was like, how are we creating the opportunities for educators to heal, to connect, to grow, um, to be in community, and to model that for the way that we want them to do it for the students. So that, you know, social emotional learning, restorative justice in the classroom, all of these initiatives actually come from a place of embodied leadership, embodied learning, and that educators are experiencing this firsthand as a way to heal and that they can actually bring this to the classroom with authenticity and with integrity. We're not superhuman. (laughs) We need the space. We need the tools. We need the opportunities to slow down and to really um, consider what are the parts of me that I need to work on? What are the parts of me that um, need compassion, that need self-love? How can I use all of this and show up more self-expressed and more whole to the work? And how can I help my students see that this is something that we're all working on together? You know, the average um, retention rate for a teacher used to be something like 15 years. And now I think it's maybe two years. So that really speaks to that the the profession is, is not sustainable. Um, the system that we're working in is not sustainable. And that burnout rates are really high. I experienced that myself. I felt like every year, like, I was fighting burnout. And in the first couple of years of teaching, I, I didn't really know how to handle it. I just had this mentality of like, and I got this from my mom, this mentality that like working hard and being successful has to be a struggle and it has to be physically difficult. It has to be emotionally and mentally difficult as well. And if it's easy, then I'm not like trying hard enough. So being in that cycle and kind of being in that mentality, I was like, this is normal. Like I need to just like burn myself out and then rest over the summer and then do it all again. But it really started to impact my my relationships, uh, my personal relationships with my family, with my friends, people that I was seeing. And it'd be like, I, I like never had time for any anything I don't have time to call my mom. I don't have time to talk to you. I'm so busy. Don't you get that I'm so busy? And it was really toxic. It was really, really toxic. Dealing with um, things within me that I hadn't hadn't seen. So the shadow aspects of me that I hadn't seen coming to light. And I'm like, oh, I I don't know how to deal with suppressed anger, but I have it. I I don't know how to deal with, um, you know, my imbalance between my feminine and masculine energy. For me, that was just like that go, go, go mentality to a point where like I was sick. I was physically sick. I was getting tested for like autoimmune disorders. I was having all these strange symptoms. My body was basically telling me like, you need to slow down. So again, that's not sustainable. And I had to learn to, to heal from that. So like just these things like coming out and me seeing them manifest through my relationships and realizing that like there's a way that I can work with this and I know I need to work on it. I started doing yoga regularly, and I swear I started to feel time slow down. I used to wake up, roll out of bed, drink coffee, and then, like, rush to the train. And then I slowly started to notice, like, oh, I'm actually taking steps as I'm walking. Like, oh, I can actually hear birds on my way to work. And this literally blew my mind. It sounds really simple, but I didn't realize how distracted and out of tune I was. So when I started to tune back into the body through yoga, it blew my mind and I I could feel myself being more present in the classroom. Like imagine yourself with 30, sometimes 35 kids. Everyone's talking, it's really really hectic. It's so easy to miss a lot of things. I started to notice everything in the classroom. And I started to be like aware of like people behind me, conversations in the corner, what this person needed, what that person said five minutes ago. And it's like my brain capacity expanded and I was blown away. So, having that actual felt experience of time slowing down, I know that I was onto something and I knew that I was healing something. So, I went deeper into meditation, Uh, I went deeper into yoga. I went deeper into reflection and and taking care of myself too. I had mentioned that my health was starting to suffer. I got into Ayurveda, I got into holistic practices, eating whole foods, just like really like revamping the system. And when I started to do that, I started to show up differently, changing my orientation to, to life in general. When the way that I started to show up changed is when Others around me could actually attune to, okay, there's something different that Miss Tan can teach us. I would have some kids come to me, you know, and just sit with me in the morning and they would just want to talk. They would want to talk about, you know, what's going on in their lives. They would stay with me after school. They would want to just hang out. Kids would ask me to teach them to meditate. Kids would ask, would ask me to teach them astrology, even though I didn't know astrology. But I, I knew I was like tapping into something that they were like innately curious about, which I think, you know, you could say is uh, maybe possibly the beginning of some of their healing journeys. It's almost like they started to see through me, you know, like they started to ask me like really weird questions like Miss, do you think there are other dimensions? And I'm like, how did they know that I'm like sitting here thinking about this kind of stuff? <laughs> One thing that I really was working on, um, like in the middle of my teaching career, was healing from my relationship that I had with my father. I saw that start to come up in in different ways as I was a teacher, understanding like you know some of the trauma that I had gotten from that, and then I. Had a couple of students who would come to me, two in particular, that would come to me and talk to me about their dads. And it was like they were, we had like the same exact experiences, same type of questions. And, you know, as I was dealing with it, like they were dealing with it too. So it was like we were healing together from it. And, and I would learn something and I'd be like, hey, consider this, you know, consider having compassion about this this person in your life. Consider looking at the situation this way. Consider having gratitude that you went through that experience. And, like, that was so powerful. Like, it's making me, like, tear up a little bit right now. But, like, that was something that, yeah, I'll never forget. In terms of the meditation, I would say that's the type of self-work and the healing work that sustains me and keeps me grounded. Also, you know, engaging in reflection, whether that be alone or with others, and making that a contemplative practice has been really transformative for me. So healing, healing-centered um, is a term that comes after trauma-informed. So with trauma-informed, the way I see that is that has us ask the question, like, what do I do to be trauma-informed? Like, what can I do? What are the things that are trauma-informed? And when I think about healing-centered, I feel that that question invites us more to ask, who do I need to be to be healing-centered? What is the way of being that allows healing to come through? For me, it's always about grounding and like, who am I being? And, you know, embodying the work. I mentioned meditation. I'm going on a meditation retreat in a week, like a 10-day silent meditation retreat. You know, I can't teach meditation and not do it myself. Or I can't tell people to go sit in reflection and not do it myself. So that healing centered work really coming from, for me at least, like this embodied place where I'm, I'm working on myself as I'm helping others work on whatever they want to work on. Healing is always a journey. It's never an end goal. And when you can really embrace that, uh, I think that's, I think that's critical. I think understanding And having compassion for wherever you are in the journey of healing is critical for you helping other people step into that with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Season 2. We invite you to reflect on the many ways in which you are a wounded healer yourself. We want to thank Paper Monday for helping us curate these interviews and the photographs that accompany them. We want to thank DK and Joe Barat for the sound engineering and thank maria tan at the house of thriving for co-producing this season stay tuned